Hi, welcome to The Witching Hour. I am Patty Negri, psychic medium and good witch, and your host for this hour journey into the other worlds. I have a wonderful guest for you today. I have Laura Tempest Zakoff. She is an artist, author, dancer, designer, and modern traditional witch. And she is the author of this beautiful new book, Anatomy of a Witch, very different, a different approach to witchcraft, like lungs of a witch and belly of a witch. And it's, it's a beautifully done um, and different than out there. And I highly recommend it. And I can't wait to introduce you to her. But before I do, I'm going to tell you what's going on this week for me, just in case you are listening to this the week that it launches, which is the first week in August. Sorry. So, but before we get to Laura, I just want to go over what I'm doing this week. If you are listening to this on the week at first launches of July 26th, this week for my Thursday $10 House of Intuition class, I am doing a past life regression class, both teaching you somewhat how it is and how it works. And together we are going to go on a journey that maybe you could tap into some of your past lives, um, see why you are who you are, some of your idiosyncrasies you may have. Um, it's amazing how that works. And we're going to do it together in a class that will only cost you $10. That's Thursday through House of Intuition. On Sunday, I am continuing my advanced mediumship class. So unless you're already in it, I would wait off till the next round. Um, I do have a new Ghost Adventures coming out August 5th. So I guess that's still next week. But for TFIL, my TFIL fans, my YouTube, the Biltmore came out. I knew that the, um, the Queen Mary was coming out and that just dropped the Queen Mary and the seance in the Queen Mary. And that's crazy. But also the Biltmore, um, where I'm actually teaching the guys, because Corey is super gifted. I'm teaching the guys how to lift the veil themselves, how to tap into their mediumship, how to do a little bit of basic witchcraft. So now there's even a little bit of learning in the TFIL video, along with fun and spooky things. So check that out as well. Um, getting ready to go to Tennessee. I'm getting ready to go to Scottsdale. I'm getting ready to go all over the place. So always check my website, pattynegri.com. Always check my social media because that's the most accurate. And come join me whenever you can. And my most exciting news is I have a brand new home, a brand new producer, a brand new podcasting network. I am now with myparanormal.net. It is the same people who produce Ghost Adventures. So it's same people I have known for years, but a brand new paranormal podcast. So check it out. There's 13 amazing podcasters. We have some really great stuff coming up. So it's myparanormal.net. And I'm still with my beautiful producers, Rob and Christine of Co-Conspiracy. So I'm really, really excited. I feel like I have a new family and a new home, or I'm just adding on to the one I already had honored to be with my paranormal please check it out we have all sorts of really good stuff coming all right my favorite ah ha! okay all right she's not asleep my favorite part of the day every day is the willow update look at her she's four and a half weeks old uh, she always yawns on stage. She's not even sleepy. She's running crazy. And the update for her today is I think she's the fastest dog in the world. I think she is the fastest wiener in the world. So I hope wiener dog racing comes back soon because we might have a contender on our hands. Also, we've just started walking her around the block. My husband took her last night for a block. Now that she has all her puppy shots and she gets to ow, play with all the dogs. 
She's taken over the entire Hollywood Hills neighborhood. She likes to kiss and she likes to get into everything. And our house is more trash than ever because, but look at how long her nose is. Um, she starts puppy school this next week, which is really good because she needs puppy school badly. Um, but there's nothing better in the whole world than a four and a half month old puppy. <laughs> anyway, that's the Willow Report. Okay, today's magic lesson is going to bounce off Anatomy of a Witch and Laura Laura's book, which is about taking care of your body and the body of a witch, with two things that help me more than anything else keep my body in line and happy and healthy and moving forward. And that's sound magic and outdoor magic. Sound magic, you say? Well... Sound is pretty much everything. Think about music in itself. Think about music can soothe you. Music can get you horny and excited. Music can relax you. Music can put you to sleep. Music can entice you. Music can make your brain stronger. If you're listening to rock and roll one day and classical the other, put music into your life to change your mood. It's like soundtracking, literally soundtracking your life with music. They do it on TV and they do it on movies. Why not add that to your life, even just in the background to make things? But my other favorite sound magic is the voice of the human being. That's a lot of work that I do is called heka work, which is actually sound magic. It's Egyptian magic. In the in the 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 the, the thirty second exercises that I talk about, some of them are doing sounds like vowels and the z. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about that because remember, whenever there's a spoken word, whether you're praying or you're doing a chant or you're talking to spirits or you're talking to people. Whenever you could be out loud, that's adding magic to it. When you're thinking inside, like, I really should do this, and I'm going to talk to my grandma in my head, that's fine. But when you say it out loud, I'm going to be do this today, I'm going to work out. Grandma, help me with that workout. That sound is magic in itself, just like the music we were just talking about. And besides that, your breath, when you're talking out loud, your breath is your pneuma. It is your life force. That's what's shooting out into the world. The moisture in your breath is your free will. That's why some cultures spit. That, oh, what a pretty baby. You don't have to spit. The moisture, the, the mist in your breath is telling the world, this is who I am and my free will and what I am doing. So whenever you could talk out loud, talk out loud. Now, some of the worlds, without giving you a whole lesson in heck of the world, uh, just a couple of things. Consonants are form. They shape a word. So when you're doing a P or a B, you're forming your meaning behind it. And vowels are the forces that ignite. Think about it. Ooh, it's going to ignite. So the A, E, I, O, U. So if we have form and we have force, even just knowing that, could you can make up some of your own chants. You could make up some of your own music. You can make up some of your own sounds. Um, just think about it. Like in our 30-second exercises, I have you do ah uh, or om or e-i-e-i-o. Clears the head immediately because that's what vowels do. You itself, going into even deeper in the vowels, you is a dragon vowel. You. Um, what that is, it's force. Again, it's a force. And it's, it's, it's love. It's nature into action. You. Just like you, you're saying you. So if you've got a oo or a you, that's nature into action. So add that into any little made-up song as you're going along the street. A is a vowel that brings birth to life, just like the alpha and omega. A, ah. 
horse to life. You're bringing something to life. I want to do this. I want to go there. L is a dragon. It's of the land. So if we want to get earthy and liking something, think about that. Z, that's a serpent. This. S's and Z's, that's the lightning strike. That's between heaven and earth. Make something happen. Lightning strikes, tits sand, makes glass. That's why in our 30-second exercises, another lesson, we're going and then we're feeling it in our in our belly, in our just coming up and giving us the energy that we need then and there. So see how letters work for you. I mean, see how sounds work for you. And make them up as you go. There's no right or wrong way. But humming is great. Singing is great. And you get in a bad mood, just start singing, whether you're singing to the radio or not. Sound invigorates sound music of any sort. That's why we chant. That's why we do rhymes. That's why we do po- na-na-na-na-na. That's why in spell working, we do rhyming a lot. Because the cadence, everything is part of it, just like music. So now if you want to take that, outdoors it is summer almost everywhere almost everywhere it is summer and it's hot and we have maybe some nice cool evenings get out get outside you guys we need to get out earth whether you're a city dweller like i am or you're in the suburbs and you just forget to go to the park all the time or you don't get out there get outside there's literally something to that earthing thing if you can get barefoot on grass on dirt just for a few minutes on sand um, science, actually doctors have proven there does something, whether it's the negative ions, I'm not a scientist, but when's the last time you just stood in the grass with bare feet or laid in the grass or went up and sat down next to a tree with your back along it? They'll talk to you, get outdoors, do some magic, impromptu magic, you know, send your wishes off on a bird as it's flying by on a butterfly, get all woo woo with it because you're getting out in nature and there is nothing more healing, more calming or more grounding than nature itself. So if you wanna get out there and do some humming, singing, sounds, vowels and chants, the more the merrier. Simple magic for today. And that will help you with the anatomy of your witch body. Okay, without further ado, let's get to the anatomy of a witch with Laura Tempest Zakoff. Laura, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. So glad to be here. Thanks. I love your book. Because um, it's something that people don't write a lot about the witch's body, the witch, and, and you go into heart sections and lung sections. So, so for my people who don't know, including me sort of, what is a witch's body? So the, this is approach to tapping into the most powerful tool in your possession, which is your body. Um, often when folks come into a magical practice, they think they have to have all the tools, right? You know, cauldrons and athames and wands and tarot cards, like all of the stuff, right? Which is great. The stuff is wonderful. But we are the combination of spirit and body. And when we tap into that for our practice, it becomes more grounded, more powerful, and more effective. That's beautiful. And and I know you do talk a lot about body awareness and body acceptance, which I think is needed more than ever. Maybe even with this whole pandemic thing, we were also asleep at the wheel. So numb. So, so, so what, what is your theories or what do you suggest people to do about body awareness? What does that mean? Or acceptance? 
So what I set up in anatomy is we have five symbolic systems or organs, right? The, the witch's lungs, the witch's heart, the serpent, the bones, and the mind or the weaver. And these are metaphors for our physical body. So our different systems, as well as the different aspects of our practices from ritual to magic, uh, to movement and how to tap into all of that. So it's the kind of the culmination of all of these things together that help deepen your path, but also connect you more to that body. It's beautiful. Um, so in the body in the physical and the body in the non-physical, the body of, of, of what we are, which again, it's just, I haven't seen anything worded like this before. It's great. And it's also simple and doable and explainable to anybody, whether they're brand new and don't know anything about the craft or spirituality or magic or somebody, you know, an old experienced pro who's been doing it forever going, oh, wow, what a great take on this. Um, so I, I know you work a lot with ritual, you work with sigils and symbolism. Mm -hmm. um, do you, are you a big believer in ritual, like in daily ritual and things for people to do or? Yes, uh, though my definition of ritual tends to be a little more fluid and open than what uh, most people's general ideas. Like when we hear the word ritual, right, we tend to think, oh, there's again a lot of stuff and and getting dressed up and you know incense and all those wonderful things. But we do rituals every single day. We are highly ritualized species. And when you think about when you get up in the morning. Uh, you might have your warm beverage, you might take a shower, you know, you walk the dog, feed the cats, whatever it is that you do. And if that pattern gets disrupted, the rest of your day, you know, goes out of whack. And so it's like, all right, there's importance in when and how we do things. And we can just kind of ramble on through, right? You know, it's like, oh, I'm feeding the cats, whatever. Oh, I'm drinking my coffee, whatever. But if you take that next step of thinking about as I'm putting this into my body, as I'm taking care of something else, there's another layer of meaning and suddenly you're more present in all of these moments, right? So these, these little tiny rituals that make up a larger ritual of life. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so, so it's, so again, again, you have very simple and beautiful rituals that are within here. What is a good example of something that you would suggest to people to add into their their awareness or starting with their witch body, figuring out what that is? I always start with the lungs, with breath. Right? Breath mm -hmm. is a wonderful gateway to understanding magic as well as the, the presence and the sovereignty of our own bodies. You know, when you think about when you take a breath in, you're taking in all of these invisible particles, right? The, the gases, of oxygen, all of these different elements, and we take them into our body, the inside, right? The outside becomes part of us. And then when we exhale, we also bring a part of ourselves out into the world. That is interconnectivity. That's a gateway to understanding spirit and magic. You know, when we look at magic and the larger society looks at like, oh, it's fantastical, right? It's, it's all sort of make-believe and special effects. But magic starts with thought and that invisible made visible in so many different ways. So starting with breath and very simple exercises. So I start with the book of these kind of three breaths, um, which is just taking a moment, breathe in for about three to four seconds, let it go, and then increase the next one about six seconds and let it go. And then the last one, eight to nine. And if you do that for any kind of ritual, you know, getting into your car when you get to work, anything that you're doing, it shifts your perspective and suddenly you are more present. That is beautiful. Now, do you have people like think anything or do a chant or do anything or just, just about the breath? 
that one's it just start simple, right? Because people get kind of overwhelmed, like I have to be doing so many complex things. Because uh, that series of reps I do for you know, when I'm about to sit down and make art, if I'm going to do a performance, if I'm going to just do some stretching, right? That kind of, all right, here I am. Even at you know, going to sleep at night, kind of calming the body is a way to do it. But of course, you can add that extra layer of intention. Uh, and so you can direct the breath. So there's more exercises where you think about directing it into your belly, into your heart, and into your mind. Uh, so you can use it for awareness, for emotional balance, as well as healing. Beautiful. So you are speaking of art, you are an artist as well, you know, a well-received and respected artist and won lots of awards for your art. How much of your art is works into your witchy world and your philosophy? Um, is it all one and the same? The, the Venn diagram is a circle. Right? <laughs> <laughs> My, my consider that art is my primary form of magic and in many ways is, you know, and art is also, it's the visual art, but it's also the writing and it's also dance. So all of these things interweave together. Uh, so it's really, really important. It is the foundation for a lot of what I do. I, that is beautiful. I, Cause I look at it, even going from the mundane world, the not witchy world, um, when they took art out of schools, regular public mm -hmm. schools, it affected everything of the children. It's it's not working that creative brain. It's not working anything. And how can you do anything without that side, the artist, the spiritual, the creative to work into life? So I, I, your work is beautiful. And you work a lot. You create sigils for these different things, right? These different yes. areas and things. Yes. So, you know, there is um, my book, Sigil Witchery, came out a few years ago, but I incorporated it into Anatomy of a Witch. There are, uh, there are at least five sigils, one for each um, part of the system that you work with, as well as a combined sigil. And then a few other ones to kind of um, approach different things. Like, I believe there there is the one for um, kind of body healing and working with that, as well as, um, you know, being able to absorb words better and understand things. So there's a few different ones that uh, get people introduced to that format and i able to play with it a little bit. Beautiful. So how do you suggest people work with sigils? There's so many different ways. So um, one of the easiest ways is just you to, to trace it with your finger, right? To kind of think about what it could mean to you. You can draw it on your body, whether with uh, anointed oil or a makeup pen of some sort. You can carve it into a candle or just kind of paste it onto a candle. Though the carving process does help, you know, slow you down and think about more. So I recommend if you can draw it, if you're able to draw it, some people are not able to um, physically draw in such ways. So a printout is easier for um, folks who might have a tremor or such. Uh, so you know, whatever it is that helps you connect with that. I mean, you could even bake them into cookies. I mean, there's so many different things that you can do. That's beautiful. Um, do you teach people, you, you have a whole book on sigils. Do you teach people how to create sigils and the meanings behind them, how to create their own personal? Yes, uh, I, I love teaching. And it's actually one of my most popular ones is to do sigil witchery. So especially during the pandemic, when I switched to virtual, we were doing it at least two to three times a month. Now I'm back down to about one. <laughs> as we're, we're transitioning into the world, right? And in that, we learned the history of magical mark making, which goes all the way back to the dawn of humanity. 
I mean, you think about the cave paintings and those is early marks of how we use them for identity and self and group. Uh, so we kind of chart through all of that. We look at uh, the intuitive process behind it, because what I do is different than most Western occultists practice of whether chaos magic or ceremonial magic based. It's more wherever you're coming from, regardless of your, your background, your artistic ability, you can craft a sigil. So we learn how to do that and then we craft one together so everybody understands the process. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm one of those who I, I don't, what I see in my mind rarely turns onto the pen or paper or paper, but that's okay. They still work. People have to know it's like, mm -hmm. okay, it's not going to hang in the Louvre, but that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the intent behind it. It's it gets the, the work done. <laughs> yeah. You also work, again, one of your areas is the serpent. So explain to my people what how, how you see the serpent. So the serpent is a more elegant way of describing the witch's gut. <laughs> it's not so sexy, right? It's the gut, right? Uh, it is our sense of intuition and it's the most primal part of ourselves. Uh, and when we're tapping into the abdomen, um, the digestive system, the endocrine system, all of these different things, even to the reproductive system, uh, you are looking at this nerve network from our brain all the way down to the intestines, the vagus nerve, right? And that's often where those, you know, we get that sense of the gut feeling, right? Like you feel something in your belly. You might, you can't explain it in your head, but that's also tapping into what we consider the reptilian brain, right? That little part of our brain that keeps function going, that's knowing what's going on. So within this, we see also all around the world, all these different stories of creation and transformation. Like no matter where you look, you're going to see you know, from the Bible to Samaria to, you know, to um, indigenous stories from um, North America, right? There are these stories about how the serpent has created the earth or changes it or uh, swallows it or releases it, right? There's, it just goes on and on. It's fascinating to see again and again around the world. So kind of pulling into that universality of change and creativity and transformation. Yeah, that is beautiful. And it is how funny everything is the same, you know, change the names to protect them, whatever. Yeah. Um, so what is something that you, how, is there a technique you would suggest for people to learn to trust that gut, that serpent to tap into it without getting in their own way? So part of it is relaxing and learning to trust ourselves, which is hard. It's not an easy thing. And I can't say it's like one, one exercise is going to get you because we have society telling us that we shouldn't trust ourselves, right? And that we should give our power up to someone else. Uh, one of my favorite techniques though, uh, is working with the cauldron of warming, which is um, this sort of threefold cauldron system from the cauldrons of Posey. Uh, and the base cauldron, the cauldron of warming has to do with our health and well-being. Uh, as well as, again, that primal part of ourselves. So if you're putting your hand on your belly and kind of just thinking about this place of um, creativity and growth that happens from our belly, right? And uh, when you breathe in and kind of focus that energy to the center and exhale out, kind of imagine it flowing. It's also a good way to do cleansing baths, right? To, you know, get in a bath and, and put in, you know, Set up the candles and the incense if you want to do tinctures and such and do different types of transformation that way too. Uh, to acknowledge the self and to say, this is my body and this is an amazing thing. It might be weird at times because they do that, but it's an amazing <laughs> thing as well. Yeah, that is be Yes, I was going to get to your bath section. I see that you have a lot with baths and things. I do because it's the water element. Mm -hmm. we, it's the water element. It's our it's emotions. We're going to we need it. We need it in, in this 
So, uh, so go back <laughs> on to the, the three cauldron system, kind of explain to uh, our, us, our listeners, what that means. So there is this Irish poem, it dates back to at least the 7th or 8th century, that describes the three cauldrons within the body. And there, you'll find, again, sort of like the serpent, that there are threefold souls, right? That you'll see it in Jewish mythology and in all, you know, pretty much everywhere around the world, the sort of threefold. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it goes into that, but it says that we have these three cauldrons. We're born into this world with that first one, the cauldron of warming in our belly upright. You know, when you think about an upright cauldron, it's something that's full and is doing the work, right? And so you think about as infants that we know we know how to manipulate the world around us uh, to, you know, hopefully to get um, parental units to take care of us, right? Uh, and that is something that you you kind of start off into this world with. And then the cauldron of motion is where the heart is. And it's what moves us. And I always have to correct dancers because dancers, especially belly dancers, are like my cauldron of motion should be my hips. I'm like, no, no, it's it's the heart. It is that rhythm of life and where our emotional content and where our intellectual content can be and how we express that, interact with that in the world. And we're born with that one to be on its side. So it's sort of like our job to fill it up, to figure out what is our passion, what is exciting to us, and also what is our priorities? Because we have a tendency to put other people's priorities in that cauldron and kind of fill it up, which we talk about in the book. And the last one is the cauldron of wisdom, which is in the head. And we're kind of born with that with a hat, sort of like a hat, it's upside down. So again, this is one that we feel and it helps connect us to the divine, um, to the aspect of ourselves as well as each other. So kind of working with those, it's very simple. Um, and I like it that most people can get into those three systems and go, all right, those are three parts. I can touch them versus, you know, like with chakras, there's so many different systems of chakras and understanding and people get like, oh, wait, there's seven, there's 21, there's different colors, right? What name? What am I unlocking? It's like, nope, you got three. Three is a good number to work with. <laughs> three is a good number. And I like the cauldron up, the cauldron upside down, the car sideways um, on its side. That That's good because I know when mine leaks out when it's upside down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, like something's wrong. Push it. I need to do something with it, right? <laughs> Um, wow, that is good. So, uh, and I know you also, one of your early chapters is about protection. So how important is protection and what do you talk about protection? What are some of your techniques? Yes, protection is so important, especially when you're doing magical work, but also when you think about interacting more on a mundane level, right? Interacting with people on a daily basis, you need to be conscious of your own body and your own presence and your, your sovereignty. Um, it was the sovereign self, right? Is that to know where your borders are. You know, what is, what is protected in your space? What is permeable space? When you think about the people we let into our circles, um, you know, consensually, hopefully, <laughs> uh, and what we decide isn't part of that. So in protection, that can be protecting the body, anointing the body, um, wearing certain things as, you know, as the amulets that we tend to wear and the charms or oils that we might put on our bodies to how we cast and create sacred space. And there's so many different ways of doing that. Uh, and to realize that we don't have to make everything locked up and tight like a bottle, right? There are times where you want to communicate. And so you don't want this kind of closed sphere. You want something that's, again, permeable to allow for communication to happen. That's beautiful and beautifully put. That is good. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. I'm just, I'm going to sit with this for days and days and days, this book. It's, it, it just, how you put it out. I, 
everybody you got to check it out anatomy of a witch a map to the magical body and some people we're just always looking out there and never looking in about things one of your things with the bath is right again you talk about releasing replenishing and reviving right Mm-hmm. And and we need that again more than ever, everything we've gone through. So what are some of your thoughts or techniques or ideas for that, what people do? Because we need it. Yes. And, and it's unfortunate, like right now in society, we tend to have this sort of eye roll moment about self-care, right? Like, oh, you know, pampering yourself. Like, no, we don't realize that we're not taking care of ourselves. And it's not just, oh, got your nails done. I mean, we're talking about all the different levels of, you know, cleansing and preparing and, and opening up. Uh, and we tend to be, again, so absorbed with the tools, right? Like someone goes in to do a ritual, um, they don't think about the preparation of their body first. And I always, before I do something, I, you know, I take a shower or I take a bath, depending on what's available to me, and be in the hot water or cold water, depending on what's going on, right? To connect with the body, to feel what's going on, and to set the mind, right? So if you're going to do something that is a healing work you know to imagine that you're opening yourself up to transfer energy or to share it with someone if you're protecting it right you're putting the armor on which goes from the bath into possibly your makeup or what you put on or the jewelry that you put on the adorning of the body to prepare for that you know robing a mask cloak all these different things the power isn't in them themselves but it's the power that we give them and how we relate to them that can be really powerful Beautiful. And and we are our best tool. I mean, our most important tool is us. Just this yes. is what we are working from. And this is actually all we really need. Um, and then the other stuff is just the tools along the way. Ah. Yes. So what are some things that people maybe, uh, you know, what do you think that, especially in our witchy world, get wrong? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, we get a lot wrong. <laughs> or misunderstand not get wrong there's not wrong there's not right in in my world but you know misconceptions that are probably self-limiting because I know you're about empowerment I'm about empowerment in my work I keep it simple too and it's just like stop giving your power away to everybody everything your false belief systems fear other people so so what are your thoughts or I think one of the things I see the most of is people are so concerned that they're doing it wrong in the first place, right? They're like, they're, they're almost to the point where they don't want to do anything. And witchcraft to me is an experimental and experiential path. It's like, you have to, you have to make mistakes. You have to try things out um, to see what works for you. You know, just because it's in a book doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Uh, you know, just because someone said, oh, this ritual worked for me online, or they posted it on Tumblr or Instagram, like it doesn't mean that's going to work for you as a person. So you have to be adventurous. Uh, and not be afraid, like, so you mess something up. So you spill candle wax on something like this is going to happen. Um, it is not the end of the world. You're not going to conjure up a giant hole and get yourself swallowed by something. I mean, it's, (laughs) you know, and you know, people tend to just be afraid that people are going to shame them for doing something not quite the right way, but there's so many different paths and approaches. Like so with casting a circle, like you can have the whole thing where you decide you're going to have watchtowers and candles and incense and walk around nine times, you know, whatever it is that the tradition might ask for, but you can just breathe yeah. and cast a space and know that it's protected and whole and, you know, working with the elements within you. You know, when we 
when we call upon things, we're often calling upon ourselves and those that relationship that we have with elements and deities and spirits, rather than seeing again external. So if you see yourself kind of a little bit sounds selfish, but like at the center, right? This is your access to the world, um, and not be afraid of that to explore and have fun too. Yeah, no, you nailed it. And it, it it can't, we can't feel bad about put ourselves at the center. We have to, if this is our world that we are working from and that we are creating and we shouldn't have to feel bad about that, but we do. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's one of those weird societal things that we have to, that we have to look at and deal with yes. uh, along, along the way. Um, um, yeah. And I'm very much like you too. It's you figure out what's wrong or right. There isn't, everybody's is different it doesn't even matter what the book says red candle means this and a pink candle means that Mm -hmm. that's a guideline that's the general attributes it has but for you if this means that go with that it's trusting that so um yes so i just okay going (laughs) in um I just had so many questions I want to, you do a lot with the heart. I see that you do a lot, even your sigils and your symbolisms are the heart. So talk to me about the heart. The uh, heart is you know, one of those symbols that we see everywhere, right? We think, oh, Valentine's Day, we think romance and such, but it is this amazing vessel that is keeping us going, right? It is one of those first things that starts moving in our bodies as we as we grow as an organism. And the moment when our heart stops, right, that is the end of that beat or that pattern, unless <laughs> unless we get you know, enough volts going through our body that it wakes it up again. But within the, the symbolism of the heart, right, is exchange. And it's, I look at it as creating that sense of ritual, that little bit of pattern every day. And when you look at what the body does with blood, blood flow and the, the beating of our hearts, you see cleansing and purification, you see banishing things away, like to get rid of the toxins that are no longer, (laughs) that we don't need, we transform them, we let them go, um, to purify ourselves. All of these different processes are there. But at the same time too with the heart, right? As I said, it is that cauldron of motion. It's what is passionate and important to us. And particularly for people who identify as women in the society, right, is that we tend to put everybody else's stuff in there and it slows down we we don't put ourselves we, we stop being that access monday right to to connect with our own personal worlds and so in doing rituals for this and connecting to that cauldron you know so many people i find are just like i didn't realize i had so much stuff mm-hmm. i was holding so many other people's expectations and anxieties and ideas of you right we take on so many different ideas what other people think of us rather than who we want to be and how we want to be perceived in the world. Um, I found that, so I went through a drastic life change um, <laughs> after 15 years of marriage and just uprooted my entire life, you know, got divorced, changed, you know, left my job, decided to become artist full time, moved 3000 miles, the whole kit and caboodle, right? And when I was finally like, now I'm going to make art, like I'm going to make art without anybody else's expectations. One of the very first pieces that I created was not exactly a self-portrait, but the focus of it was the heart with an eye in it. Like, and that was a vision that I had. And it's like, what is it the heart sees? And what does the heart know? We think our brain is the only thing that's capable of thought, 
but our hearts, actually all of our organs are able to communicate. And I love, I mentioned this in the, in the book about the studies that have been done with uh, heart transplant patients and being able to, that they've seen um, changes in those patients that they've taken on different likes or dislikes of those who, who the heart came from. Um, so those memories are carried in the tissue and the cells and they travel through our mind and the rest of our body. So our hearts are communicating in ways that are more than just, oh, love, you know, and like, and love again, we shouldn't even just go, oh, love, because love is freaking amazing. Uh, it is an incredibly powerful thing. And again, society goes, eh, you know, that's for, that's for kittens and puppies. Like, yeah, kittens and puppies no. are awesome too. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating about the heart though. I didn't know that, that people take on Makes sense, though. Again, energy, we're all energy. Yeah. So how did you get on? You're obviously, you're an artist, you're an author, you're a dancer. So how did you find the witchy path? Were you, you born into this? Did you discover it? Was it part of your big turmoil thing or was that? Uh, so... <laughs> I come from a bit of an unconventional background. Um, there was a classic New Jersey combination of like a to put it succinctly, kind of a Jewish dad and a Catholic, Italian Catholic mom, Sicilian. Uh, and kind of that pairing starts, you know, shaking things up a bit of like, how is this going to be? And how do we perceive the world, especially when major concepts are in conflict with each other? Uh, and very early on, like I was picking up on that and I was very um, perturbed that I couldn't be up in the altar. I'm like, why can't I talk to God? You know, why do I need this priest to do it? Why can my, why are my brothers acolytes and I can't, because we're going back now, <laughs> we're going back for four decades. So it, things have changed a bit since then. And I, I just was like, hmm, I, I don't know about this stuff. Uh, and so I was out in nature and that's what something my grandfather brought to me too, is like, we're going out in walks and notice what's happening in nature and here are the animals and this is how it grows. And so I always had that connection, but it wasn't until my uh, early teens that I started reading a lot of different novels um, from Jane Ull's The uh, Clan of the Cave Bear series, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, don't really recommend the Mists of Avalon anymore, but that was, you know, like at 14, a like, wow, there, yes. there are other beliefs in the world, right? And other systems. And then to find a little bit later through Drawing Down the Moon by Margot Adler, I'm like, there are other, there are really other witches and other people who identify and see this as real. And it's not just some sort of fringe thing. Um, that was a super exciting thing. So I'd like that was the, the change from like kind of doing my own thing and sorting it out and following my intuition to starting to interact with a whole bunch of other people, you know, by the time it was 18, it was like, Phew. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's an interesting path, how we all find upon it or it finds us along the way, how it finds us along the way. Um, what, what do you think this pandemic, again, I'm still talking about it because we are still in it. It yes. is not going away as much as we want it to be going. And it is going away. We're very open here in Los Angeles, but now there's other strains. Do you think there was some bigger purpose to all this or an awareness thing or it just happened or how we're going to come out of it? Better, worse, same, no difference? I, well, I have hopes. I hope that we come out of this better. I, I can't say I have that much faith for humanity on a larger frame. Uh, but I do hope um, that a lot of people have taken it to heart. Uh, 
I mean, what's the sort of the message here? And you know, people look at this as, you know, from a nature standpoint, but I think it's also so much a cultural standpoint of like, where have we been putting importance? Um, we've become disconnected from each other. And, you know, to understand healthcare, you know, for folks who are outside the United States, like, why is that an issue? Like, it's such an yeah. issue here. Um, and, and the way that capitalist structure like damages so many different people at different layers, like how, why are we not creating a more healthy society for everyone? And I think that the pandemic exposed all of those things. And it's just a matter of are, are folks going to just like, well, let's just cover that up and not do anything about it. Or like, no, let's have dramatic change that is long lasting. And I, I do feel so much hope for the rising generations like the kids are all right i i look at what's going on in terms of, of um gender and queerness and and larger society concerns and like y'all you've got it we're just trying to clear the way for you in the meantime so i do have a lot of hope in that regards i just it's the old guard <laughs> yeah it is the old guard it, I, I agree and i do i this new generation i am in love with them they think different they everything's different. Their importance different. They are the new world. And thank goodness. So I guess we just needed to bust things up a little because we see how much can we screw up or the generations before us and, and, you know, coming into ours, it's like, ah, uh, and again, the whole, this path, when people, I think what's good about, um, you know, I don't proselytize anybody, anybody's beliefs is, is fine with me. But, you know, when things get scary, when things do get tough, when they, they try to find something, something, it, our non, our Western, modern, non-mystical world of, again, that left brain fact, this means everything. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the people are living in fear and they're discovering new paths. It doesn't have to be a pagan path. It doesn't have to be a witch path, but new paths where they putting that importance and that knowledge and that awareness and that thought thinking for themselves. What a new concept, right. you know, it, it's like, Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. You don't have to just because they said so. So that's what I think is, is really same thing. It was a big old wake up call. It was literally universe gods stuck us on the head, hit you on the head, go to your room and figure out what's important <laughs> until you do it's the embodiment of the tower card, right? That we're like, if the foundation is not healthy, you got to break the whole tower down and shake things up. But you have to also remember that the next card after the tower is the star, which is about hope and inspiration and in the future to come. Yeah, it, 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 some things have to crash down. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you do work with tarot a lot in your work, right? So, so tell us a little bit about that. I've been been reading um, since about uh, 18, <laughs> and that was one of those things where you know, I was given a deck and um, just started reading for folks online and doing little readings for other people. And I was like, wow, I'm pretty, pretty good at this and it's spot on. Uh, and as an artist, it's such an amazing tool because I love the imagery and I love the stories that go behind it. That's another thing too, is I, I think stories are how our brains are wired you know, I think that's how we learn better rather than saying, oh, this means that and astrologically that like, that's great. But if you tell people, here's the story of um, the Green Knight, you know, and what he went through and where you are in this story and like you can relate to your current relationship issue through that, like suddenly it becomes more relatable to them than sort of this abstract concept. So I love the there is so many stories that are wrapped up within the tarot. Uh, and as an artist, I haven't done I've. I, a while ago, I did a little Lady of Shalott, uh, Major Arcana, um, back in college. 
but I've only done Oracle decks since then. So it's like waiting for like the big moment to do um, the whole system. Because I feel like with the Tarot, I need to respect the system and, and have it cohesive. Uh, Oracles, of course, are cohesive to the self, but I create the system. So I'm like, this is my game. You're gonna this play is your system. Yeah, so you have a best-selling The Liminal Spirits Oracle, right? So yeah. what what's that? The, the liminal spirits is tapping into the spirits of place, the spirits of animals, trees, herbs, ourselves, uh, and kind of also call, consider artifacts, right? So like the tools that we use, whether they be clay or metal or fiber, right? Uh, all of these things have an essence to them. And if we connect more deeply with them, we understand ourselves and the world, right? So that we're again, not just in our bubble, but we're communicating. And I was inspired to do, I was doing a series of paintings where I was like, okay, what would the mushroom spirit look like? And what would the deer spirit look like? And all of these. And I had such a great time doing them that I, I approached my publisher. I was like, so I'm doing these paintings. <laughs> and I think it could be a whole oracle. And um, let's see how it goes. And uh, and that's what it came out of is sort of to be a tool, something different. Rather than, you know, there are so many oracles out there that are very pretty cards but they don't you know, push you to the next level. So this is a little bit more than an oracle, is a tool for spellcraft, for meditation. Uh, you can work on it in so many different levels. Um, so it, it's got more dimension to it, hopefully, for many people. That's beautiful. That is good, yeah. And, and, to, and I'd say to, to Conquer Tarot, you have to deal with that that system and so many yeah <laughs> and, and and so many interpretations but i i bet yours will be great if you ever get around to it and i'm i'm going to check out your liminal deck too how elemental are you in your work you obviously you've got this book is about the body and, to, and mapping your body and putting that into your your work your your path your witchiness are do you work elementally do you work do you work with more deities more spirit or how do you if you'd like to make a call <laughs> contacted the spirit world <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry the spirits speak there and they go. sound like an operator I'm recording <laughs> <laughs> yes yes all of the above please press one <laughs> for elements press one for deities press two <laughs> so uh, I work with pretty much all of it uh, it is very fluid organic system so i look at the elements as i said earlier as being present within the body and uh, you know i do these virtual workouts online the little youtube videos where you know every single one there's a moment where you touch with air and earth and fire uh, and water together and recognize that in the body uh, and to see first that point of connection with the world around us and inside of us and then we have our own spirit, our own consciousness. So working with that, but then to recognize in a very animistic and pantheistic for a way to see the spirits in the plants that, like, you know, growing in my yard and the, the animals and everything in the house that I live in has an energy to it. And then I work with deities. I don't, um, for my personal structure, I don't say worship. Um, I feel like I'm in real in a relationship with deities. Uh, yeah, and that, that's fine with me. It's like, we're, there's not someone that I'm like, oh, I'm going steady with that one, you know? <laughs> but uh, it's more of an understanding that they're just at different points than we are and so that we can work together rather than there being some you know, major power dynamic in there. Right, I, I love that, me too. I work with deities, I don't worship anybody. <laughs> yeah. We work together. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's so. Tell me about what your YouTube exercise things are. I'm sure my people are very interested in that. 
So the the ritual, because it's silly. Ritual. Uh, the ritual. Um, so I have a habit of um, when I'm teaching that my brain and my mouth aren't always coordinated. I get very excited. I'm a Gemini, so I'm like, I have to tell you all the information. And so weird words and phrases and things pop out. And so quite a few years ago, ritual popped out. And as we're going through the pandemic. Uh, I was realizing that I wasn't as mobile as I normally, like normally we, my partner, I would tour the country, go around the world, you know, doing performances, teaching all of these different things. I'm like, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not really going outside. Uh, so what can I do to daily, you know, be more engaged physically with my body? And so I decided if I film them, I will be, I will be kind of responsible to other people who will be like, oh, yes. I need to move my butt as well. Uh, so that started, it started last August. I think we have 150, yeah, just 150 episodes. Uh, and it's for looking at magic in movement itself. So they're little rituals. They're uh, inspired by the tarot or the oracle uh, deities as well. So I'm pulling from all these different themes, but I do a variety of different things that are varying levels. So there are some things you can do just from a seated position. So if you you know, can't move around a lot, you can, you can sit or you can easily modify these things. Or if you want something a little more vigorous, there's a few options for that as well. And uh, so just kind of started up to get myself moving again and hopefully get other people engaged. And that's been pretty popular. So it seems to be working. And it's also helpful for the book too. So there's some things to talk about that you can try with the videos. Oh, that's beautiful. So where can people find that? <laughs> So on my YouTube channel, so if you look up lauratempestzakroff.com, uh, I, I know it has a dedicated URL and I can't think of it what it is right now. Uh, but if you just search my name uh, or which will work out, you know, W-I-T-C-H-U-A-L, uh, you'll see clips as well as Instagram, but all of the major videos are, are housed on YouTube because it's just a little more easy to find, I think. Right. I love the word ritual. Very good invention. I, I, I like it. <laughs> um, oh my God. I could have a million more questions, but I can't. So we'll just have to do this again, if that's okay with you. But again, tell people a little bit where they can find you, what you do, what's going on, anything that you have coming up, um, where they can get your book. So I am uh, I am all mostly on the internet. <laughs> right? uh, so lauratempestzakroff.com is my main website, um, which gets you to um, there's the links to the YouTube channel, my classes, newsletter, as well as my shop. So you can find my art online and all the different things that I create, as well as my books. Um, all the books are published. Um, almost all of my books have been published through Llewellyn. So they're available anywhere in the world, um, as well as digital formats for those as well through Amazon, etc. And uh, I... I normally do, as I said, lots of touring um, as things are slowly opening up. I know next week I'm going to be in Delaware at Finding Avalon. So I'm going to do some book signing um, there. I love Finding Avalon. This is, I think, the third or fourth time um, that you get there. So it'll be kind of low key, um, you know, and obviously very safe and socially distant, uh, but starting to get out there in the world. But I still am doing virtual events and workshops, and I'll keep going with that because I do understand that this was the pandemic made things more accessible for other people who can't travel, who can't be as mobile. Um, so I always have my workshops available on a sliding scale too, with scholarships and such, so that um, if you're on a budget, if you're a student, that they are affordable for you. And you can help sponsor other people too. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. And I do love everything. My workshops are, are virtual now too. And now I have, you don't have to be 
in Los Angeles where I am to go to class. They're everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. time zones is my hardest part of my job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, eight hours ahead, 17 hours ahead. I, I don't know how to do this. So, um, well, you are a beautiful spirit, beautiful soul. I love, again, you guys, I cannot high, more highly recommend Anatomy of a Witch, A Map to the Magical Body by Laura, Laura Tempest Zakroff. Um, again, she's got lots of other books, so check them out. Check out her website. Um, I'm going to get start reading some of these beautiful things because, again, very different how than I work. I work very elemental and very simply, but I've just never connected it to the body quite this way. So, you guys check her out. Thank you so much, Laura, for coming on. You guys, check her and uh, see you next time on the Witching Hour. <laughs>